0: Hey, I'm Sean.
1: And I'm Jesse. And And we're we're the the DMs DMs of of Vancouver.
0: Vancouver. We're two newish DMs who are still getting the hang of the whole DM
1: thing. So we sit down with a friend every couple of weeks and pick their brain on their approach to DMing.
0: So come along as we figure out how to help our players have the best time possible at the gaming table.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Adventure Dice. Adventure Dice is an online dice shop based here in Vancouver, selling a variety of dice and other gaming accessories. Personally, I'm a big fan of their rolling trays and the Grounded Pixie Dice Set. Adventure Dice ships for free anywhere in Canada, and if you use the code DMV at checkout, you can get a 10% discount on your purchase. That's DMV for a nice discount on your new tabletop gear. Find the shop at AdventureDice.ca and roll for adventure! Hi. On an earlier episode, we talked to James Kidd about creating dynamic worlds and NPCs. Um, James has started up his own podcast called Encounter This, where him and his co-host take a monster from the DMG, talk about the flavor text, the history within the game, its abilities, and also how you might work it into a homebrew setting. Uh, It's a great show, and I would love it if you check it out. He's got three episodes so far, and they're all stellar. So please check that out and have a great day.
0: Hey, folks, welcome to another episode of
1: DMs of Vancouver. Today we're talking about improv and world building. Today we're talking to August Everard. How's it going, August? It's going really well, we guys. Thank you very much. Well, thanks for coming. Um, so, where might our, our listeners know you from?
2: Uh, your listeners might know me as someone who's potentially rejected their short lightspeed. Um, I'm a <laughs> slush reader there. Uh, you probably wouldn't have seen my name, but in secret, I, you know, my own. We can't get out Read your stories and think, no, I could have done this a little bit better. I don't. I'm very fair, I promise you. Um, I also have a story come, an adventure coming out with Baldwin Games, uh, but it's in the uh, Mischay Jails, and it should be, it's part of a nice. Um, outside of that, I'm still working out <laughs> reputation (laughs)
1: work. well it's it's funny because before um i knew who you were i knew you as monstrously friendly crab on twitter
2: oh yes well you know that i i I actually did run for a while something on pals which was a relate a social group national uh, national novel writing uh they had an online chat a few people were like we should have this every day and i was okay and went in way over my head trying to run a daily like group goals and starting a website it it became... It, it, I had a few thousand followers for a while, but it became something... Oh, many of these followers this huge nexus of everyone self-try to sell to each other. It was hard to take a step back focus on it. What am I pro- Who am I going for the moment? It's a <laughs> apparently lesser... Instance, so.
0: <laughs> when when I think Giant Enemy Crab, I think hit its weak point for massive damage.
2: I mean, you're not wrong. That's the one. Uh, the other one I think of is in EverQuest 2. I, when I said go fast, Ocean. Never... <laughs> Great game. Yeah, good time.
0: <laughs> so I think... When it comes to, to improv, the place where it's in in world building and running games, one of the places that it's most useful for a TM is when things kind of go off the rails a little bit where you've set something up and then your players blindside you and it's time to start improving the hell out of the, your game. Um, I think one of the best examples that people run into, because I've seen this online quite a bit and you brought it up, was... Um, what happens when your players kill the big bad evil guy, BBEG for short, uh, in the first session? Yeah, well, that
2: did happen to me on my campaign. Modify a,
0: a second edition campaign to
2: third edition. It was called Night Below. My friend had it. It was a very large box and i said okay that's great you know i can go along with this sort of campaign i can make adjustments and this will be a really nice introduction for me as a dm it was from level one to 20 so i had the whole thing going for me and the bad guy was this evil wizard necromancer who would draw them into the underdark this whole thing Uh, kuatoa and the aboleth all the other dark monsters of the deep and they just decapitated him with our custom critical hit Uh, mechanics that were way unbalanced you know if you rolled it you 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 hit you rolled again if you got a 20 they were decapitated like it we had a similar critical miss table if you rolled a 20 after quickly missing you then rolled a d6 and that was basically how many characters were supposed to die we were extremely brutal and we've changed a lot since those 16 7 but uh, yeah so they decapitated him I had his headless body and head fall into the river and float away and the thoughts that okay I can stitch it back on and I can bring him him back, we can keep doing this, and I was like, you know what? But that's just not, you know, that just kind of ruins it, you know, like that ruins the suspense and the craziness, and like they they had no idea who this guy was, and now he's supposed to come back with his head off, and it could have been interesting, but it could have, it, it ends up being kind of comical. I mean, they they do it in, I think, Shadows of Mordor, orcs keep coming back, and we've killed them over and over in the sequel. They get like, kill us, have to kill this guy. Here he is, he's just here again. Um, so instead I made up this weird race of like half drow and like all sorts of other stuff attacking this town that they were supposed to keep coming back to and it ended up blowing way out of proportions. Uh, this was my first foray into improv. Uh, so hopefully I've uh, since really, really pull you off. But- you have to give your players what they want. You're, you're there to, as the DM, you're there to give them the experience, but you're there to modulate it in such a way that it feels real so it has risks there are threats their actions have consequences and improvising them would be very difficult especially if you haven't built up or know at all in this case you know with this guy dead this night below setting had nothing for me to fall back on he was the core to everything so i had to start coming up with a whole new bad guy and a whole new through line for all these different elements that existed but now had no connecting thread um, so people can definitely fall flat with them it's very difficult but you really, I think it was the name of my note, you just roll with that punch and say, okay, well, this is the end of the session. I need a week to come back and, and work with this. Um, but if it's the first thing that happens in that session, that, that takes a few years to Your character fires an arrow, just gone.
0: Um, <laughs> the, I think uh, when it comes to modules and like or adventure settings like this where like there's this one character that ties everything together, then that's definitely tough i think especially for new dms we're just like what to do now um are there smaller or less impactful moments where like the players will do something like that where they'll kill somebody or do something like if they kill somebody but it turns out that they're just uh like you already knew that they were just a a lieutenant or something they weren't the the you know the king of the evil army or the or Something like that. Yeah, we know, you-
2: for sure. Um, lots of times, I mean, I think we all have a story of this where a character, you'll introduce a very interesting person. You'll say there's something to the north, there's something to the east, there's something to the south. And they're all very, very cool. You spend hours on each of them and they'll ask, what's west? You know, or who's that goblin in the corner? I want to go hang out with him for the next 45 freaking minutes. Right? He's the best. So the thing is, they're always important. That's the thing. You just say, it's important. What was what's west? It's what was east you know it's it's you have all the things that you prepared don't let people ruin what you have you know just because they think something else is interesting it is interesting but it's interesting through their lens you have to find out what hooks them where does it go i have one really problem he's a great guy love him to death but nothing hooks him he's like he, he he's he's immune and repels all hooks you know he's hyd- hookophobic um, and you have to somehow divert the energies all the enemies and the maps and around some i had one guy who back in third edition when power attack was completely broken you know 2012 man he just had the d2012 and that's what he had to roll all those you just have to this is a little secret and i'm sorry for breaking but you have a little hill on the side that just says that barbarian okay <laughs> like i'm just sorry but people need to feel like they get to engage and you you There are little tricks and you can you know these are tricks there are there's quote unquote better ways to do this like perfectly balancing an encounter balance is impossible what we want and have to do is make a world that is so connected that you know that when the barkeep's assistant dies That's really troublesome for him because the only other person that he can call for help is, you know, his estranged son, who is the mayor's like bodyguard right now. And if the mayor's bodyguard like leaves to go help in the tavern for the night, oh, well, now the Thieves Guild is going to do this thing. And then you're back to the adventure, which originally engaged the Thieves Guild. You know, you it's these are micros, but Lord of the Rings is that level of micro. Uh, it's, It's good and bad. If you take away the ring, everything falls apart. If you kill one random guy, well, the adventure is still, well, that wasn't a random guy. That was Aothan, son of Danathan, son of Garnagan, you know, back and back and back and back and back. And you have this whole relation to guy. But without the ring, without Frodo, just like happened. He just like lobbed that thing into Mount the Shire. It's like, well, okay, I guess we'll tell another story. Like, can Lord of the Rings tell any other story than the ring? We, when we read the Silmarillion, when we read other stuff like that, it's, they're good. They're interesting. Always in that way, when you're running your campaign, it's like, oh, well, they just, they I, they were supposed to get this crystal that summons a dark god. They They just did it they summon the dark god you know like i had that happen in a one shot i just killed it. they watched the whole ritual guys it. it was only two of my friends one shot time, so i just, but they just sat and watched the whole ritual i'm describing more and more elaborate magics you know like blue lightning and like purple thunder or whatever like sparks are going through the air like demonic voices laughing and they're like oh yeah 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 okay keep going we're gonna sit in the stairwell we're, we're gonna go they're level one you know it's like guys you know, this is like some dude reading from the book just push him you know, just push him it's it's okay it's uh, it's all right so like you know sometimes as a dm you realize oh i've made a thematic mistake I've, I've done something that makes this theme that's a cinematic or that's really important reality. Like, oh, I just really like to describe this one dress that last night. you know, like, and it's like the clothes are cool, but like, you just want to describe one guy, but now it's like, whoa, those clothes I described are really cool. They think this dude is totally awesome. He's like the most badass knight in the kingdom. It's like, no, actually he was going to, you know, his job guard at the
0: morgue, uh, so. I think that's, that is one of the things when it comes to when it comes to players derailing things. I think uh, one of the things that I've seen people talking about getting tripped up is that the players sometimes will latch on to something that you you just happen to describe nicely or like yeah you thought of a, a cool dress or a cool guard outfit or you thought of something and now your players are like oh he put a lot of work into that description that's important where it was just like no I just I saw a cool dress in a medieval movie i watched last night i wanted to recount it in my game and now you are following the wife of a local merchant around who is starting to get freaked out and the bad guy is way over that way and i think it's just yeah it's that balancing of like the things that you describe and also maybe you know having having that communication with your players to say like after you describe something just be like that wasn't important for real i just thought it was cool
2: (laughs) That's definitely one way to do it uh, is to just be open. And this is something people, and this is something that kind of comes up before you start to ask your, what kind of story tell is this? You know, people usually make this choice by picking a system that they're engaging in. Like, Oh, you say dungeons and dragons. Well, that's dungeon delving. And if I say shadow run, well, it's these heists, corporate spy mission apart. Um, But even within these large genres, People have different ideas of what's going on. Your other episode with Sean, uh, he mentioned somebody reaches into the sand and pulls up a plus seven, you know, spear monster slaying uh, <laughs> because they're all improvising. And like, you have this problem with new players where they don't know what they can make up as part of this story and what they can interact with. Um, and part of that interactability is how detailed is it? The more detailed something they feel like. Um, there's a rule that you shouldn't, in writing, you're not supposed to name somebody, but this rule kind of breaks down like let's say if you are in a really small town of course everybody's going to know their names it's unrealistic for you to just say oh that's the farmer like no that's bill the farmer oh that's bob the sheep and, you know that's sarah the scene whatever um but knowing these contexts gets really difficult so yeah it, it, it's i think again though you just doubled doubling down is almost the always the answer sometimes you want to just completely dodge it but just double down to the more extreme what's going here. Yeah, that goblin they picked out, his name was Bob. Well, now Bob the Goblin. You just gotta deal. Uh, when your players have the fun thing that they want, they stop. you know, that slots filled. You know, if they want another Bob, they can get another Bob. You've already given them the one mount. You know, like I have a guy who loves animals. If You give a guy an ant, he's getting okay, so I have to be careful I no. Magically enhanced wolves that are magically compelled to despise you. Um, because otherwise he is just gonna run towards all of them and hug them. It's like you just say, oh, "I've never had this fight in this." League. And these are things that you know it's really difficult. You know, I mean, I I have never gone out DM. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, official like D and go to conventions, sit down and DM a bunchers with a module. And I am proud of anyone who has ever undergone that because I haven't, and I have yet to test my improv powers in such an environment. So all of my advice must be taken with a grain of salt. But. Um, people have types and you learn some of the types you can say these are all the elements that I have in my world a my campaign in my session these kind of types of players in front of me. they all said I want adventure I want romance I want to find fancy trinkets people want these things you can give them stuff. it's easier to make it all up know what the thing is to make up so asking questions can be beforehand S- helps you having and, and doing a good job of introducing the rules like saying for that guy who picks up the plus seven thing the DM is there to create everything for you to react to you choose as the player everything do your intent i want to do this the reaction and the way that plays out is up to this person who is your book they're writing your story you're the living character and this is it, it can be difficult everybody who plays for the very first time they ask okay so how do i do what do i do and that's it i'm the author but you're the character paid you say i'm gonna do this and i say Okay, you went to do that, and X happened. It sounds simple to us. We've played a few sessions, but it's something that sometimes never gets set out loud.
0: I just wanted to go back really quickly to when you were talking about names. And I think when it comes to NPCs and names, I think from the DMs that we've talked to, there's definitely, from what I've seen, there's a tendency to to want to to build the world to make it yes. more to make it more real to give it right. more depth and all of that stuff so when somebody when a player goes up to a storekeep and asks what's your name then the, i think a lot of dms have this just this built-in urge to be like like they don't want to just say like oh that's jim same like related to the gym yeah, you the met in the last guy. town like the people want to be like Oh, like I've already like, he's as, got a life. as soon as he's you ask, like, person. Oh, I know. Like, yeah, he, he's got a wife, he's got a kid and like all of this kind of stuff. And it's like, I think sometimes you just have to be able to step back and just say like, he's just a storekeep. Like you, Absolutely. you went into this store to look at some weapons because you don't like your quarter staff. You wanted to move to a short sword, do a little bit of haggling and get out. Like he doesn't have a name. He doesn't need a name and it's okay as a DM to have unnamed NPCs when you're, trying not to trip the players up with too many things
2: well people are afraid to say no i mean in real life and in fiction especially to their friends who are most of us most of us are playing with our friends and somebody like oh i want this guy to go on an adventure like no he's a crotchety old man you know, he doesn't want to go on an adventure with you all right guys like that's part of it you know once you have a roster of characters in your head you know you've got a bunch of crotchety people who are refuse to take part in these shenanigans they don't want to do this and that you know um something about certain worlds and this goes to i think maybe going to talk about further about world building within an existing world is that sometimes when you're playing a fair campaign or, or another established world, you say, okay, well, where are all the people of comparable power? To us, your players want to do something. They feel, conf- they feel like they can do anything without any consequence at all, because there's nobody of power around them. There's no system to establish like, Oh, well, look, uh, Elminster isn't going to come down here and say, Hey, don't you know mess with that villager guys. Like he's supposed to be doing important things off. Um, and saying like, okay, no, let me think. There's how powerful cares a little better than they know. Oh, there's this, they actually have a guardian of the well. At, or at their sort
0: of sergeant is
2: a retired adventurer. Right, yeah, you know, it's like he personally killed Clouth before Clouth resurrected in 99 by somebody else.
1: Um, I think i also want to briefly touch on something you mentioned where like it was kind of it's kind of the session zero thing like going in know know what your players want and like with your example of your friend who will collect animal knowing that and making use of it means you can also down the line give him a really be like absolutely here is an owl bear who is for some reason not frothing at the mouth you can recruit this owl bear he's yours now <laughs>
2: right so you know people don't want to take part in certain quests because they feel as though their character attached to those rewards you know they're role-playing they're role-playing you know and it's like well why does my monk who's an aesthetic care that this brewery is down you know like great i don't want this in the world and you know but oh well there are innocent people inside that's classic but creating you know knowing okay well this person wants this this person wants that you can have those elements in there for people to say it's not the thing it's a thing
0: yeah Yeah, like with the the player who wants to collect animals like maybe he doesn't care about going and killing some bandits at their hideout but oh wait they've been smuggling rare magical creatures suddenly there's a hook just for that character
2: yep exact um being able to i mean i when i sit down to do a campaign if somebody says we want to play i need it. there's a map there's this, you have these borders. That's all you really need to start. You have the people in front of you. Those are the people that are telling the story that you're making. Every action they take says, gives you an option to do something. The player says... I'm gonna to go to the barracks. Okay, they're going to the barracks. Maybe you didn't really want them, and now you have an option. To present this types of challenge that affects that character and all the other characters. What we want as a DM, we often want to really test specific story, and we get. I think we can be hurt a lot, even sometimes, when players aren't interested in the story. But it is quote unquote a job. You sit down to plans and there are rules to this game. And one of those rules is that the deal of the story. And so whatever story we want to we can say, okay, what are the elements of the story so that whenever somebody does something, whenever part of the world they're interacting, you always have keys that you can say, oh, here, I want them to cause chaos. Here, I want them to engage with a monster and have a... Here, I want them to discover, like, ancient ruins, because I just want to blab for 45 minutes about the color of the stone, the way it's pitted, and what kind of people are here, because for some reason I stayed up until 3.30 last night, writing an entire tribe used for part of this adventure. We all have problems.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So one one thing that you mentioned about, like, DMs wanting to tell their own stories, I think this... Segues nicely into the building your own world within an established world, um, and it's something that I'm curious about because, like, I I started with the the beginner's box, which is set in Faerun. It's on the Sword Coast somewhere, I think. Yep. yep. Um, and I've I've always been interested in Faerun. Um, I just don't know that I could ever run a campaign because it, partially because it feels like there's already so much there, and also like. Some of the stuff that I want to do, like, by the time this airs, this will have already happened. But uh, from a previous episode, when we were talking to somebody about building custom monsters, we started talking about a giant wasp that's the size of a dragon and a tribe of bee people. That's going to show up in my campaign. I just have no idea how I would make that fit in Faerun. But I guess when you're playing like a a module and you're you maybe you've run through it but the players want to keep going they want to keep exploring the world how do you do world building in a place that's already got thousands of years of history and all of these characters that are that are important and and maybe you don't know about them but maybe your players do and like how do you how do you do world building in that situation?
2: All right. First off, I want to say that Ed Greenwood is a very approachable guy on Twitter. And if you ever have a question about Forgotten Realms and you really, really, really want to know, he'll probably answer. <laughs> he's a really friendly guy. So seriously, don't be afraid. I mean, uh, it, it, he's yeah, he's quite approachable. He's a nice guy. Um but that being said, it really does. It looks like there's so, 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 so much in Rune. My characters, I put my last campaign in favor on after doing many, many custom work because I was like, well, uh, most people have played Baldur's Gate or something like it. You know, they they know the world somewhat. This will really help. It turns out none of my favorites So who really cared? Um, but it actually is quite shallow. When you're in Faerun, it's deep, but it's deep from a timeline perspective. When you approach the elements of that timeline, you actually end up with maybe a paragraph. And Ed, I've seen this question specifically actually answered by Ed. And he said, it's almost like I put some things in there for you to build. Like, you know, (laughs) jokingly, he was being nice. But uh, that's true. So you you go there and I've destroyed uh, Waterdeep so many times, I've lost count. You know, literally in this last time, they unleashed a vampire lord and just like the whole city of the dead just like sprouted and overrun the city. And it's just it totally lost cause. Uh, so that was great. I had a great time. You know, we just rewind, do it again. They've destroyed it themselves a dozen times, you know, so it, it's fine. Um, it's ve- Waterdeep is very destroyable. Um, but. You're there. You've got these elements. You are saying like, okay, well, would the knights of Silvrius? How do the lords of Waterdeep? What? Is, who are the one? The shadow? Lord? Um, how do I just put this random town in this random country and go from there? And you know, the thing is, they're all phenotypes that you've seen in real life that you know, you know, this part is based off of Southern Spain in the 1600s, you know, like they're Catalonian. These people are nomadic tribes people that could are similar to a sort of Plains native or, you know, Mongolians, like, you know, you, you there are everything that we create is a combination of other things exist so when you're going into faerun and you want to create something again you, i think tags are the greatest thing to happen to mankind yours. uh what are the tags for this area you know i've got viking i've got dragon i've got desert okay desert vikings okay you know uh do they ride horses no it's probably camels what do they have instead of a long ship uh they have
0: sandship uh, sand ship from avatar right there
2: sand ship from avatar right yeah or like you know yeah big wheels big giant skis exactly so you know you you work and you say, and when something goes totally crazy, you're just like guess that part more, you know, it's like, well, that city got destroyed, you know, like my last adventure was all about the Iwanti and how they were trying to actually, it's always kind of messed with my head that the Yuanti are an incredibly organized society, but their gods are chaotic evil and they are like demons because the whole society is really lawful. So I kind of imagined that maybe they're trying to become devils and that this would have set the blood war and that that that's a to me that's a great far end campaign. So if we get to level 20 we'll interact with that and while we're here it's the Yuanti getting slave capturing people from trying to establish themselves as a real nation because that's part of law and acting more lawful while at the same time being you know hideously evil and to expand their dark. Is that where the plot of Ferun is going? Meh. but they put it there. They put in a jar there. They said they're trying to become a nation and I went with that. You know, you read what's the one sentence in here that I think is really interesting. Go with that. Take it to the extreme because the fact is most campaigns burn out after a year or two anyways. You're not actually going to make it outside of your 100-mile area, so don't worry too much about it. You know, effects aren't gonna If you want to go to Chult, go to Chult. Like I said, those that giant wasp, those giant those bee people, easy. They got kicked out from whatever jungle they came from and now they're here this was the first place that they came to because they got kicked around by a storm. They could come from the, you know, the plane of air. There's plenty of places that you just... A horrible wizard was like, you know what would be the best thing ever? giant bee people and a huge wasp the size of a dragon I'll have it fly around and ask people for honey it will only speak wasp though so it won't understand at all it'll be so funny and there you have it. oh it's murdering people in you discover oh actually it's really nice it's just trying to talk bee and ask for honey but really it's a wasp and you're just like we're speaking the wrong animal language all the time and you had to make a DC intelligence 18 check to make sure that you were talking bee instead of wasp even though it was a wasp Whoopsie Daisy, you know, like this is really dumb stuff that, like, oh, you said one thing wrong and everybody latched onto it. It's like now I'm stuck in a deep web of lies. Well, <laughs> here we go. This is the core of the campaign now. <laughs> that
0: I think that is kind of the best description of DMing is I am now caught in a deep web of lies. I'm just going to go with it.
2: <laughs> you, you, it's the only thing that you can do. You know, everyone's there to have fun. They want to support you. They want to do something. Whatever you come up with, they're going to go with. Even if it's not the most interesting thing in the world. And you so you watch their faces. What did they react to? What are they interested in? Like grab the next thing. Don't forget that guy. He wasn't that important. This guy with the big purple cape and the two crowns. Now that's the guy <laughs> who's really important.
1: You know, like. And it's, I feel like this is kind of ties into something I think we've already said, which is talk to your players. Yeah, yeah exactly. And just like, Ask them how they're enjoying a campaign. If they're like, oh, I loved, you know, Frederica, who we met three sessions again. Are we going to see her again? And you're like, you are now. (laughs) Right. Well,
2: and and I actually did try this. And my players being the reticent they are, uh, provided me no information. Uh, I said, how's everything going? And they're like, great, good. Yeah, we're having a good time. And I said, "Anything you'd like to do differently?" And they're like, "No, yeah, no, it's good." And I'm like, "No, you're you're clearly not engaging with my plot at all. What can I do? Like, there's got to be something, man. You know, so really that you know, it, it makes a it can they can your players can make it really hard on you. Um, but you just sometimes like have to relax and say like, okay, that guy just wants every time he looks for someone to go mano a mano with, and that's his thing. And the other guy want he wants to ride his animal, he wants to do something, then he wants to put whatever female villain I have on that animal and ride with them and feel free in the air like Jasmine, Aladdin. Like, that's literally every, <laughs> every, every single time. And you know what? That's amazing. And that's great. And I'm so happy to role play that because I, I like I said, we had the critical miss table. You roll, I've rolled, we rolled the six. I've had a mountains explode. I've killed the entire party before. You know, we never introduce Oriental Adventures to a regular d I don't care. Fifth edition, Oriental Adventures. If they do great fun. If they do, never play it the regular session. I I don't care what they do. It's not best.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So we've been talking a bunch about, like, world building within, and we've kind of touched, I think, a couple of times on making the world work for you. Uh, Like you're talking about, you know, find that one sentence in that, you know, that history from, you know, of of Faerun, find that one sentence in that thing, and then you're like, yes, I'm going to do that. Do you have any other tips or tricks for for working within a world and like finding the stuff and making it work for you
2: oh yeah i mean absolutely so you know i i'm i'm a kind of obsessive I think a lot of world builders are but it gets very hard for us to say i'm not going this element like you said like these guys those kids have this a like, this unnecessary information but at the same time that really far back geologic stuff and just actually making a planet making a landscape can really just i mean for me at least that sets everything up so i you know what's I look at the map. What's here? What do these people do? What's going on? What's it like to actually be in that area? What, what do I have here that is going to produce people, cultures, enemies, and societies, and how, what, how are they interacting? If I'm making it up by myself, I have full freedom. I go, I say, like, okay, it rains a lot. They probably don't want to be outside. You know, we live in Vancouver. We know what it's like, you know? So it's like, okay, it's kind of like Vancouver. Okay, it's really cold all the time. You have to have lots of parties outside because that's what they do in Montreal because otherwise you go completely insane if you're locked inside all year in the cold. Um, So when... And when you have a world that's established, though many of those pieces are already made for you, and many of them aren't. They say, okay, here's the guard. And the town's like, this is like a gigantic guard. There's like 200 barracks, and the town is only a population of 500 people. You're saying like one in every two people is like a guard in this place? Like, lots of people don't even do those numbers at the end of the day. You say, okay, it's got this, it's got that. It's like, even saying there's 50 guardsmen in a town of like 200 people, I think there's plenty of adventures. Like, oh yeah, the sons of town guards. It's like, How? You know, it takes money. It's expensive, you know. So not to say that you can't. This is a fantasy world. We can do what we want. But l- look at what the world has given you in terms of its assets. You have a place that produces strong soldiers. That's the part that matters. You have a place that produces monsters. That's what matters. They're water monsters. Great. That's the flavor. You're breaking things down into these little parts. You say, okay, I've run out of monsters here. Where's the next monsters come from? What are those types of monsters? Who would be the next logical stage of monster to come out after? I've got goblins. Great. works. You know, easy. It moves forward from there. But knowing a little bit, knowing the lore, having that background means that you can say, okay, wait, I remember... That this uh, this race was kept as slaves by the Aboleth. and so and the Aboleth always do deals with Drow, and so it's like okay, just by interacting with uh, like goths I can actually stretch into having an Aboleth master from the plane of water who's cr- stretching across time and cosmos. He's I mean, like, okay, if we just accidentally powered up, great. I've got somebody who's attached to here that is part of, like, your players just angered a distant deity. What was the last thing they were killing? What My brother used a, uh, a talking longsword to crush a statue of Buildabloop in this, like, Capital city of the Kuatoa in that same Night Below adventure many many years ago. Water poured out of the statue, and giant magical lobsters came out and trapped everybody. And the water flooded them, and the poor dwarf was encased in full plate, like couldn't move at all. And you know, you again, I'm making all this up. They said there's a statue of Buildaboo. It. They said that it's literally an avatar of their god. You know, this is what the world gave to me. What am I supposed to do when they chop its head off? You know, it's like well i them yeah
0: <laughs> i think that's something that a, a lot of dms can be afraid to do at times is is negative consequences like they're okay with there being kind of consequences in the world like right. you killed the bad guy so now the world's a little bit better but like there there might be negative consequences of like he was holding back his whole tribe of orcs or know, the lizard folk or now his, like, the, his magically constructed golems have now gone crazy. Like, right. or his laboratory is
1: walking around. Yeah. Or, or, or something. Like, the other lieutenant in the big bad evil guy's army is now has a personal vendetta against you because that guy was his best friend. Absolutely. And fuck you. <laughs> yeah. No,
2: for sure. There's always somebody else. There's always something. Nothing exists in a vacuum. You know, there, there is no vacuum. When you go out into space, you're being bombarded by constant particles and waves nothing 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 existing vacuum and if you think you've created something in a vacuum look at what you created you know who made the guy's cape these guys have (laughs) clothes you know like where where did he get him did he like the wizard magic this out of thin air you know it's like somebody helped this guy out somewhere to get dressed and have a bath and do whatever you know so
0: (laughs) just imagining like after having you know, work their way up through the levels and killing several bad guys. The next one they run into is the tailor that is super pissed off that they're killing all his best clients.
1: <laughs> but, that sounds amazing. Right. But
2: a magical tailor is an awesome hero. You know, you could make the guy a Githyanki. You know, he's been alive for thousands of years. or You know, they've been alive for thousands of years. Githyanki are pretty genderless. Like, you... And you go for that, you know. This person has been making clothes for like Elmist, all of Elmistor's clothes are personally constructed by this person. It's like, are they good? Are they bad? If I kill this person, who am I gonna make mad? You know, you can extend whatever, you can take it to an extreme, which is, you know. Power creep is this whole other conversation. And one of the you know, things is, okay, I only need to take it one more step. I don't need to go five steps. And say so you crash the ball, now the actual ball, the actual Lord of Murder is here. It's like, no, probably just a couple imps. It's fine.
1: <laughs> Depends on the whole. How are we doing, Tom? Um
0: 40 minutes. Okay.
1: That's still time. Um, I, I want to give another piece of advice kind of when running in a pre-built world. Because you've talked about how most of your party don't really know a lot about Faerun or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. If you happen to have a player who knows lots, someone who's like encyclopedic, they're your best friend now. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, like let them tell people about stuff in the world use that information that's less that you need to know off the fly he can just talk.
2: absolutely yeah. the players and that produces organic interaction between a player who you know says
0: oh i'm a historian i know
2: things about the world and, you know that's what you want you want people to interact with each other and play the game
0: i guess my question is there's like it's it's the, the diegetic versus non-diegetic like if it's a person who knows a lot but they're playing a dumb barbarian they oh, have to like sure. relay
1: it to another player I mean, that's that's a thing you figure out, but, like, there's, like, look, I've, you know, I've been playing for a decade, which is long enough to know plenty about a lot of the monsters in the game, right? So, like, I see a troll, I'm playing, you know, a fighter who's never left the city, and I'm like, like, I know to use acid and fire. I also know my, my character doesn't know, so I can pretend that I don't know, but I can talk about it out of character. Because, you know, if you have another person in the party who is playing that, like, historian wizard they might know personally but their character would probably know that's absolutely right and they can ask to roll a, someone else can ask to roll a history check to be like oh do i know that like right. there's ways to work around it and like you know like depending on how uh devoted they are to the level of rp that they're doing with their character it's also not the end of the world of the barbarian whatever yeah well, you
2: know, people, again, live in these worlds. You live in a world with trolls. Yeah. Yes, your guy hasn't necessarily left the city, but he hears stories about people who go in and out of the city. And they're a barbarian, so if they probably have left the city limits once. Either or not, they're a pretty caged-up barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I think and then that thought just disappeared. I don't know what just happened there. I
1: think it's also pretty realistic for people just to know random shit about the world they live in that don't even make sense to like who they are. Yeah,
0: I mean I've watched enough weird things on Discovery to know all sorts of weird bits and pieces that are never going to impact me in my daily life.
2: Well, and how much folklore is there, you know? Especially if you're if you're making a world where people don't have books, there's no library in town, well that means that oral tradition is really strong. Huge nerd. But that means that everybody probably knows tons of stories there's big group story nights they're all listening about these sorts of great legends and heroes and this is stuff that you get to make up and play and have fun with and your character can that's the stuff that you as a character can make up that's not i pull a plus seven long spe- out of the sand it's no my character knows this legend of this guy that is like you know the and he fights trolls like that's totally reasonable yeah no not that this person has fought this one lich who never you know no one's ever heard of they came out of the 10th dimension but like it's 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 okay for players to meta um people are good at that we even just naturally as children we have to meta a little bit when we're playing even a game of hide and seek now you think oh it's scary oh it's dangerous it's like oh they're gonna find me it's like yeah no it's not it's fine it's okay no one's going to hurt you when they get you but you laugh and you run is something bad is going to happen to you if you get caught um and people obviously can be bad about it creating a positive and fun environment stops a lot i find stops misunderstanding
0: yeah and i think like just to build a little bit on like the the oral tradition thing there's also just like there might be tons like in a in a world that's got this big pantheon of gods there's going to be lots of folklore and myths about like how this one god did a thing and helped a, an adventure out or whatever
2: everybody knows the behavior of orcs you know because they know especially any elf is gonna know pretty much anything about all orcs because their whole existence is about is anti-orc
0: correct? yeah and as and as a dm like what i would probably try to encourage is like yeah your your character can can know this thing without making a roll if you can tell me a quick little mini myth about why they know it absolutely oh, that's awesome idea.
2: yeah make them make them have something that's part of the character you know this is something where 5th edition it falls a little bit flat and I think Mike just talked about how the flaws and your bonds they don't have a mechanical attachment mechanical I use them really strongly with advantage that's where I find it you guys say this is affecting your bond your flaw it gives you disadvantage this is affecting your bond it either gives you advantage or disadvantage depending on you know these are the things if I create something about my character with my character that gives me the dm like oh thank god you've just you know given me a myth <laughs> okay so this guy's name was what hold on yeah i have a player my, my girl well, fiance now but she is takes all the notes and is amazing and actually for most of our campaigns she creates a journalist character a side character i i this is like part of letting your characters help you make the world you can say okay what are they allowed to do so she makes a journalist character who Follows effectively follows the character, the party around her other actual character and records, like, oh, this happened here. And that's our way that we entered the notes to everybody because it's useful for all of us to remember. But how should this be written? It's not just like, okay, we killed this person. No, it's like, no, the adventurers went into the castle and did this and that. And now the whole town is really happy. And this takes a little bit of extra time. But when you're putting, you're going to put together your notes. For the session at least an hour beforehand and so you know like it's uh you you can do a little bit of just like getting something to be in character be in normal flub uh, you can you can
1: have be an ad. All right, I think this is a, a pretty good place to, to like, lead off. That's a, a yep. nice ending. So, uh, August, traditional in question. You had a time machine or a temporal displacement spell. Could go back in time to when you were first running. What's the piece of advice you'd give to yourself about kind of improvised world building?
2: I would say don't be too hung on having to struggle. Just look at the intro pieces
1: are That's a great piece. Of-
0: yeah. Uh, is there anything you'd like to plug before we get out of here?
2: Uh, I would love to say that I have all sorts of things to sell to you because I am trying to sell to, but uh, <laughs> that'll have <to>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and where can people find you? Online? I do have a website where I have a few recipes, some uh, writing reviews, and just sort of uh, things. It's augustauthor.com. dot uh, There's an eggplant uh, <laughs> result, uh, fried I picture, <laughs> and I'm uh, my Twitter uh, the August Author at the
1: all currently. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you for so much for coming on.
2: Thank you very much for having me.
1: Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Our art is done by the wonderful Haley Moros. Our theme music is Overworld by Kevin McLeod. You can find us on social media at, at DMs of Vancouver and also on Facebook.
0: Uh, you can find this podcast on Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts.
1: And if you enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and t- tell your friends about the show. Word of mouth really helps shows like ours grow and find an audience. And
0: we're also part of the Cave Goblin Network.
1: You can find our shows and many others at cavegoblins.com.
0: And you can support us and the rest of the network at patreon.com slash cavegoblins.
2: Hey, my name is Eric. I'm Piers. And this is Podcast
0: Versus Podcast. You're listening to us here on the Cave Goblin Network. We take turns pitching podcasts to each other. We're trying to find a good podcast to do because we don't have any ideas. So turn off whatever show you're listening to, turn on our show. Hi, I'm Talia Murdoch, and I'm here to find out if you've ever asked yourself why Superman and Batman fight, or why Batman needs Robin in the first place. Get answers to these questions and more in the Everything Economics series about superheroes on the Cave Goblin Network.
1: This is a Cave Goblin podcast. For other podcasts like this, visit cavegoblins.com. We hope you have enjoyed this program.